You are listening to the Life Point Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Drew Meyer. For more information about other Life Point Church resources, please visit www.livethemessage.org. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Exodus chapter 15. Before we dive into God's Word, I, wanna, I, I feel compelled to share some testimonies of what God is doing in our midst. Um, it was about a year ago when we started stepping out and believing God for the miraculous in a fresh way in our day. I also felt a challenge to steward testimonies, that when God does something in our midst, I, I do believe we have a, a mandate or responsibility to then steward what he's doing and proclaim it because we're showing that we're, we're, we're thankful for what he's doing. I believe it sets the stage for him to do even more. Um, and so just a number of things God has been doing. It was several weeks ago, two weeks ago specifically, that we, sh- we um, shared a specific request for a baby named Weston. If you were here two weeks ago, you, you remember that? We contended for healing in Weston, who was in the ICU in Iowa City, um, because of an, an air pocket in his intestines. And they, they rushed him back to an emergency operation. And before doing major operation on him. They went in there with the scope, and there was no air pocket. We prayed. The church prayed. There was no air pocket. They didn't have to do any sort of surgery on his intestines, and uh, that was, that was a, he's a miracle baby. He's been this entire story because the, the, he was a baby who, in utero, the, the doctors were recommending they, they terminate the pregnancy because he was not viable for life, and, and just time and time again, he's defying the odds. God's hand is on baby Weston, so thank you for contending and believing for a miracle in his life. Monday night at our life group, um, one of the guys in our life group shared a testimony about last Sunday morning at the end of the service when we prayed for healing for those needs that were here. He's praying like this, and he's a guy who works with his hands all day long. He had sore, sore uh, pain in his hands. Right then as we prayed, he extended his faith to the Lord's uh, atoning sacrifice on the cross to heal his hands, and right then God healed, removed, his, removed the pain from his hands in a moment. Amen? And specifically, we're contending for more and more sovereign healings, that we just create an atmosphere of faith, that as people step closer to the presence of Jesus, miracles happen. I received another phone call this week from somebody who brought a friend to church last Sunday, came in with ankle pain. She was one who didn't necessarily have a background of being around the miraculous or or God is being a healer, and she left, she left the sanctuary with no pain in her ankles. Praise God, right? Come on. We praise God for those testimonies. We, we heard a testimony last Sunday night of an individual, 23 years with fibromyalgia. She's been pain-free now for four weeks. No, no, no symptoms of fibromyalgia. We had another individual Sunday night who shared a testimony about back pain. She, she's a strong, mature believer in Jesus, but she had just come to the place where she had lived with this back pain for so long that she just kind of took it as her, her lot, you know, in life. And, uh, but in, in a fresh way, God had challenged her to believe again that, that God could heal her, and God healed her back pain. And so we praise God for these miracles. Amen? God's doing a work. It's just the beginning. God wants to touch you this morning. He wants to do a work in your life. Um, not just because he loves to bless you, he does, because you're a child of his, but he also wants to make you uh, have a greater capacity to be an influence in this world and to not have those hindrances holding you back. Um, God is so good. So we're talking about that message, the full gospel. That this message that Jesus stepped onto the planet and proclaimed 2,000 years ago was a message about 
uh, a kingdom that he said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's in your midst. It's not just about punching your ticket to heaven for some, some future destination. He said the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and that meant good news for the people right then and there. And so then he could, in authority, declare good news to the blind and not just be like, hold on, you know, I'm going I'm to grant you salvation for an eternity to come. But no, he said, I have good news for you today. And he granted sight to the blind. And he proclaimed good news for their eternal soul as well. It's both and. It's, it's good news for the here and now and the future to come. That's the full gospel. That's, that's a message that has grown dormant uh, in the church, in the modern church. And we just, you know, on our clock, on our watch, we don't want that to be the case for us as a church. There's, there's, a, there's a, um, a world that's desperate and uh, hurting and that needs that message of hope. Uh, a message of hope that has power to change situations and transform bodies and, and restore families as we prayed about this morning. That's the full gospel. And so this morning, I want to share a message with you entitled, Israel's Healer. Israel's Healer. I want us to zoom out. Yes, we live in the year 2019, 21st century, but I want us to zoom out and learn how God specifically revealed himself to the nation of Israel. God, in his sovereignty, chose to, to, to raise up a tiny nation named Israel. And through this nation, reveal himself to this nation, specifically to them. And then from this nation, uh, uh, raise up a, uh, a Messiah, a Savior for all of humanity. So there's so much that we can learn from the first 39 books of the Bible. This is the first 39 books of the, the Bible. I know a lot of times we, we scratch our heads as we, as we make our way through the Old Testament. But it has great relevance to our life. I want you to think of the Old Testament this morning as God's introduction to humanity. If God were to stand before you, place out his hand and say, Hello, my name is such and such, that's what the Old Testament is. This is his introduction to us. And he's big on, on referring to very specific names to describe who he is and what he is like. And so you, you've probably heard of the name Yahweh. That's the, the proper name for God, the self-existent one, the, the uncreated one, Yahweh. In the most proper sense, you can, you can think of God stepping before humanity and say, hello, my name is Yahweh. But he didn't stop there. He's not just the self-existent one. He went on then throughout the 39 books of the Old Testament to time and time again say, my name is Yahweh Shalom, Yahweh Shema, Yahweh Ra. And we're going to talk about those specific seven redemptive names of God this morning as very significant introductions of, of who God is. You know, if you, if you meet a person for the very first time, the first thing you want to know is their name, right? Hello, my name is Drew. If you turn around and you forget that person's name, you, usually feel, you feel pretty bad. This happened to me a few months ago. I, I was at a pastor's gathering, pastors from all over the Midwest, and I was uh, talking with a pastor from out of state, and I had met his wife before. Um, I should have known her name, and I thought I knew her name. And I said, hey, Sheila. Her name was not Sheila. I said, hey, Sheila, how are you doing? And she was just so polite and kind of more, more quiet personality. She just kind of smiled awkwardly. And we were in a food line. And so I, we kind of finished out the food line. Two minutes later, it hit me. I was like, her name was, was not Sheila. Have you ever done that? Like after the fact, you realize you just humiliated yourself? Well, that was me. Her name was Shelly. It's close. That doesn't get you much in the world of names. Like you want to be right. Sheila. <laughs> or you can just mumble. Sheila. Or some of you I know are really great at saying, hey, buddy, hey, 
man. Good to see you, dude. With God, that doesn't fly. He's given us very specific redemptive names. And you don't have to be super keen on the specific pronunciation because he is a God that, that, um, that you know, covers all the languages of humanity. But I, but I believe these descriptions of, of how God introduced himself to humanity, it's really important. So I want us to key in on that this morning. Because we, we see in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 8, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So you don't have to throw out, there are some teachers today that actually teach that the Old Testament, you can just throw it out completely. Some say even the Gospels, you can throw out the Gospels, just focus on the, the, the pastoral epistles and the epistles of Paul. That's, that's complete garbage. The full 66 books of the Bible has, has relevance to us. Yes, we have to understand them in context. And yes, we live in a new covenant. But this is God's introduction to us of, of how he's revealing himself to humanity. And we're still in the midst of God's redemptive story. It's not over. It's not just history. It's here and now. God is redeeming humanity. We don't want to, go, we don't want to call God Sheila this morning, right? Forgive me if there's a Sheila in the house. That's a great name. It's a solid name. So firstly, firstly, consider this name. First of the seven redemptive names. There's seven. If you're taking notes, there's seven redemptive names. These are not all the ways that God described his characters and his attributes, but these are seven ways that God said, my name is Yahweh Shema. That's the first one. Yahweh Shema. That he is present. God is present. The Lord is present. Anytime in the Old Testament you see Lord in all caps, it's, it's referring specifically, it's translating specifically that name Yahweh. As opposed to capital L, lowercase O-R-D. So you can see that. He says, I am the Lord. The Lord is present. This is a, a main aspect of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he is Emmanuel. God is with us. God didn't reveal himself as a distant, far-off, cold God, but instead he revealed himself as a God that's present with humanity, that wants to actually dwell with humanity. That's where he's taken us. That's, where, that's what eternity is all about, is humanity dwelling with God. God is present. And he reveals this name to the prophet Ezekiel, the very last chapter, in the very last verse, in the very last words of the book of Ezekiel. God, God gives Ezekiel this picture of the temple to come. At the heart of the temple, the whole purpose of the temple was to reveal to humanity that God wanted to dwell with his people. And so at the end of this book, the book of Ezekiel, God, God tells Ezekiel, I am the Lord is present. I am Yahweh Shema. Second is the Lord is peace or Yahweh Shalom. We see this in the book of Judges chapter 6 at a very difficult time in Israel's history. And God, God's trying to stir up the nation of Israel to actually do something about the, the, the tragic situation of the nation. So he goes to a man named Gideon. He says, I want you to take on the Midianites. I know you, you seem weaker and lesser, but I'm going to empower you. And he says, peace be with you. Do not fear. So in that, in that moment, you know, Gideon's brought to his knees, and he ends up building an altar to the Lord. And on the altar, he writes this name, Yahweh Shalom. The Lord is peace. God's stepping on the scene saying, hello, my name is Yahweh Shalom. Hey, I thought your name was Yahweh. I thought your name was Yahweh Shema. Yes, my name is also Yahweh Shalom. Third is this, the Lord is shepherd. Yahweh Ra. 
We see this revealed to the prophet, to, to King David, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, and this is fulfilled in the person of Jesus. And he says, I am the good shepherd, and I will lay down my life for the sheep. It's also fulfilled in the Holy Spirit as he is our, our, the one who guides us into all truth, leads us into all truth. He is Yahweh Ra. The fourth is the Lord will provide. Yahweh Jireh. This is revealed to Moses in the, the story in Genesis chapter 22. As Moses recalls the story of Abraham, he's about to sacrifice his very own son, his only son. Sacrifice him back to God. And it's in that moment God provides a sacrifice in a ram. And God, God tells Abram, hello, my name is Yahweh Jireh. I am the Lord that provides. I am your provider. Fifth is this, the Lord is victor, is banner. He is our victory. Yahweh Nissi. Exodus chapter 17. So just a couple, a couple chapters after where you are turned in your Bibles we see a story of Joshua and the Israelites overcoming the Amalekites. And it's in that moment God says, Hello, my name is Yahweh Nissi. I am the Lord is your victor, your victory, your, your banner. Sixth is the Lord is our righteousness. Yahweh Tzikidnu. You don't have to get that pronunciation just right. You can with your own, in your own words say, Lord is our righteousness. This is revealed to Jeremiah in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 23. And this is his name by which he shall be called, Yahweh, our righteousness, the Lord, our righteousness. And we become in Christ the righteousness of God. And seventh is this. I, I, I put them in this order for the, the, the clear purpose of emphasizing now this seventh name of God. These are not in chronological order, as you can tell, as, as I've referenced. But this is the seventh, because this is where we're gonna land this morning. If this is one of the names of God, one of the ways he said, hello, my name is, we, don't, we, want, it, we want to get this right. We don't want to mess this up. He says, the Lord is our healer, Yahweh Rapha, in Exodus chapter 15. So if you're there, we're gonna look at that story. This is shortly after, in Exodus 15, this is shortly after just a few days after the Israelites had been delivered from slavery in Egypt. So, I mean, already the miraculous before their eyes, 1.5 million people delivered from slavery, the superpower of the day. It's miraculous. The miraculous is compounded by them coming to the Red Sea and God parts the Red Sea. And then God destroys Pharaoh and his army there in the Red Sea. I mean, it's miracle after miracle after miracle. But now they find themselves in the wilderness, Three days, no food or water. It is, it is a mystery. But is that not where we find ourselves oftentimes? We've seen God move in the miraculous, in power, in clarity, no doubt about it. But then before you know, we, we find ourselves in a wilderness. We find ourselves feeling distant or without in a, in a, in a, in a fresh way, in a state of desperation. And the Israelites, even though they're three days post-miracle, they're starting to freak out. So here in verse 22, it says, Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. 
And the people grumbled against Moses saying, what shall we drink? That's legitimate, it's a legitimate concern. What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord and the Lord showed him a log and he threw it into the water and the water became sweet. And there Yahweh made for them a statute and a rule. And there he tested them saying, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all the statutes, I will, put, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. Then they came to Elam where, they were, where there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. God says to Israel, hello, my name is Yahweh Rapha. I am the Lord your healer. And that's what God wants to be for the nation of Israel. He wants, he wants himself to be their sufficiency, to be their provider, even when it comes to their physical sustenance and the healing of their bodies. And it's over the course of then the, Israel's history where God, time and time again, reveals himself in this way, that I am your healer. I want you to look to me to be your, your all in all, to be your sufficiency, to be your everything. He is the Lord that heals and he reveals, them, he reveals this to them in the context of covenant relationship. And when you think of God revealing himself to us in covenant relationship in the Old Testament and the New Testament, you can always think of that as a two-way street. There's always certain stipulations. He always asks something of us. Not to do the heavy lifting. He always does the heavy lifting because there's nothing that we can do to, to make ourselves right before God. But you can always be confident about his purpose in creating a two-way covenant. He's after your heart. And so we proclaim God as, as a God, Yahweh Rapha, not in any sort of condemning way to put you, uh, to feel like, oh, I'm, I'm not measuring up in my lack of faith to believe him in this way. He's simply after your heart. He simply wants you to completely trust him with all that you are. He gave you breath in, in your lungs. He gave you another day to live. He can be trusted with your life. He is the Lord that heals he wants to be your all in all. And when Jesus steps on the scene, and the, and the, the Jewish leaders, they push him to say, hey, what's the, what's the, the summation of the, of the old covenant or of the, of the law and the prophets? He says, here it is. The greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. He's after your heart. You can be confident of that. So I don't speak this message with any sort of condemnation for where you are at. I get it. We live in the 21st century. We live in a naturalistic age, an intellectual age. And I love intellect. I love studying. I love learning. I'm going to talk about how that fits with this reality that God is a God that heals. But just take this quote to bear on your heart, F.F. Bosworth said in his book, Christ the Healer, to say that this privilege of health is not for God's people today is to change God's I am to I was, Yahweh Rapha, Jehovah Rapha. Don't be confused when I interchange Jehovah and Yahweh. Jehovah is, is like the King James version of pronouncing Yahweh, so they're interchangeable. But F.F. Bosworth just calls it like it is. And we can't say God is our righteousness and God is our provider and God is our defender, or our victor, but then neglect this one aspect of how he has revealed himself to be. 
God didn't call the Israelites out of one type of slavery for them now to be slaves of a different type. Now you're going to be bound in a different way. And, and the same is true for us. As God has set you free to be a son or a daughter of God, he didn't set you free from one type of slavery to now just be a different type of slave. He sets you free. And he is our healer. So if this is clearly the revelation of the old covenant, if this is how God has introduced himself, the question is then this. Why have we neglected this part of who God has revealed himself to be? Why is it? Why is it that we, we neglect this aspect of, of God's name and his character and his, how he's after our heart in that way? I, I summarize these seven redemptive names in this way. Hopefully you can be saying this as you, as you leave, the, leave the church this morning, that God is our present peaceful shepherd who provides victory, righteousness, and healing. That's who he is. That's not all that he is. You can never, never fully encompass all that God is. But as we look at the old covenant, as we look at how God has revealed himself to Israel, this is how God has vides, and he provides in many ways, but he provides for sure victory, righteousness, and healing. You can be confident of that. So I have a strong conviction I shared this last week, but I have this strong conviction that God is calling our church to be an authentic expression of this good news in our city, in our day. There's an authentic expression of this that he is calling us. He's calling us to the carpet, and he's saying, are you going to, are you going to steward, are you going to um, take to heart how I've revealed myself to humanity? Are we going to ignore it? Are we going to, are we going to plug our ears? I do believe it can be expressed in our city in an authentic way. It was A.W. Tozer 60 years ago who said, sadly, this, this doctrine of divine healing has been broken down into two primary classes. This is what Tozer said. He said, it's, 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 it's those who make a circus out of it, and those, those ones still exist today, I'm going to be honest. And then there's this class of, of ones who are discouraged believers who don't know what to do with the theory, with the, uh, the doctrine of divine healing. And so they, they kind of, in a discouraged way, muster up a little faith, but then they always just turn to modern medicine and kind of lift up their hands in discouragement. It's kind of these two camps. I want to obliterate that idea this morning. I believe there's an authentic expression of the healing power of God that he wants to bring in our day. We don't have to make a circus out of it, and we don't have to lift up our hands and say, I don't know. But we in confidence can declare that he is Yahweh, Rapha. So let me make a point about modern medicine. Clear the air. Remove the conflict from your heart. There is no conflict when it comes to modern medicine and, the, and our use of modern medicine. I'm not calling you to, to never take medicine again, to never go to a doctor again. It's all about our heart. God wants our heart. He's after our heart. He wants you to love him with all that you are. He wants to be your Yahweh Rapha, your healer, your sufficiency, the one who you completely depend on. And there are moments where he uses modern medicine. In this story, he throws a log into the water to give them. He didn't just miraculously uh, you know, sustain them miraculously internally in their bodies with water, but instead he provided miraculously a natural source and innovation to, to turn this bitter water into sweet water. 
I believe God can use modern medicine. And actually, this, this hopefully can remove the conflict from your mind. Because as a believer that believes that God is our healer, there, there shouldn't be any conflict. When we put sin in its proper category and sickness in its proper category as a, as a response to the curse, they're not God's plan. It's not God's original plan. His original plan was for us to be in perfect communion with him and without sickness. So we, we live in a world broken by sin and sickness. I'm not saying all the sickness that we experience is a direct result of a specific sin, but it is a result of sin in the world and the, and the rebellion and, and the curse. And when you put sickness in its proper category, it makes sense that we would do anything to then be victorious over that sickness. That we would do anything to be unhindered by the pains and the weaknesses of this world. Because you can be confident when you put your head on your pillow at night that sickness is not in the will of God. Look, just look back to the garden. It was not there. It's, it's post the curse, post the fall, post the rebellion. And so there are moments where, yeah, we go to the doctor and we, we listen to their wisdom and God inspires these, these individuals with innovation and creative thought to bring healing to bodies. And there's other moments where God in a moment just shows up, miraculously touches a body, and I have no conflict with either. There's no conflict. God hates sickness. That's it. So yes, I'll go to a doctor, but I don't go to a doctor because it's my only hope. God is, God is my healer. He's Yahweh Rapha. I'm doing, exa- I'm doing what's before me. I do, I do what's revealed to me today before me. I'm gonna keep doing what's, what's given me today. And if the healing is not provided in a moment, yes, I go to a doctor, not because I'm freaking out, not because it's my only hope, because God might want to use that doctor to bring healing to my body. The healing is the goal. I'll share just several testimonies. It was a couple months ago, a college student shared a testimony of being delivered from anxiety and depression. She had lived her entire life with depression and anxiety before coming to know Christ. And she came to know Christ and she continued to take her medication, which is the right thing to do. Continue to take your medication until the doctor tells you otherwise. There was a period of time that a transformation began to take place in her life. And she began to find a fullness in Christ and a fulfillment in Christ and a purpose to her life beyond the brokenness of this world. And it was eventually a doctor that said, you know, I don't think you need that medication anymore. And she's like, well, hold on, hold on. No, I've been on this my entire life. Are you sure? The doctor's like, no, I, th- I think you should try going off her. We-, we can wean you off of it. And she's been off this medication now, praise God, right? And me, and amen. I-, I think that's a beautiful picture of how we can humbly walk with what's given before us, but also trusting that God is our healer. Another amazing testimony. My wife shared this testimony Monday night in our life groups. So I was uh, freshly reminded of it, of it. But in college, my wife had a kidney stone just a couple days before she was supposed to go on a missions trip. And so it would prohibit her from going on this mission trip. And she went to a, a urologist, and this urologist happened to be a spirit-filled believer that believed in healing. For him, there was no conflict. He's one of the best urologists in, urologists in our nation. But there's no conflict for him. And he, he, he understood the dire situation. This, he, he could not send her, in good conscience, send her on this on this uh, missions trip with this ultrasound of this kidney stone in her kidney. She'd be in excruciating pain until she passed, passed the, the stone. So he said, let's step out of my office. And he called his wife, and uh, they gathered around her, and they prayed a prayer healing upon her. 
They did another ultrasound, and the kidney stone was gone. She went on the missions trip. That, that's a moment where modern medicine and healing, healing has to win the day in that moment if she's going to go on the missions trip. It wasn't a matter of life and death. But praise God, for he cares about those things. He on the cross, he bore our sickness, he bore our pain. And God's used that doctor, his name is Dr. Ted, in amazing ways. Yes, to use modern medicine and modern breakthrough to bring healing in bodies, but also through the miraculous. And I just love how they can work in harmony. He's actually writing a book on it. When it's out, I'll let you know. But sadly, this is a responsibility we have to our city that I don't believe we're living up to as the modern church. It's actually the rest of the world that's leading the charge in proclaiming the full gospel of Jesus Christ. I challenge you to get out of your bubble in the Western church and look around the world and see what God is doing. He's pouring out his spirit across the nations. And the Western church is kind of lethargically snoozing ourselves uh, into a, a deception of a partial gospel that proclaims good news only for your etern- eternal soul. When there's a dying and hurting world outside of our do- doors that needs to hear this good news of hope for now, for the here and now, for the depressed, for the anxious, for those with kidney stones, for those with cancer, that God is a God that heals. We have a responsibility. But sadly, the rest of the world is leading the charge. I'll just give you a, 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 like a 30,000 feet survey of things God is doing around the world. As the, honestly, the church is exploding. As the, as the American church is kind of just trying to keep our heads above water with the population growth, the rest of the, the church around the world is exploding in growth. There's this revival happening around the world. Oh, and it burns me because I want us to be a part. I want us to be a part. There's this book called Millions by Tony Lambert. And he talks about the move of God happening in China, which has been happening over the last 50 or 60 years. Deepest, darkest China. You're right. They have all the opposition in the world in a communist nation. But yet the church is exploding. And he says, such testimonies are so common that even a number of government officials recognize that most people become Christian in response to claims of prayer resulting in healings. That's the main diet of evangelism in China. You know, we, we rack our brains and, and uh, come up with all these creative ways to more mimic business and marketing than actually what we read about in the book of Acts. Or is the power of God actually proclaiming good news to a, dirty, uh, a, a desperate and hurting and broken world? And so China's figured that out. They figured out the secret sauce of, of the book of Acts. It's proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. And I'm not saying we don't have to uh, do anything in regards to marketing or organization. I got my master's in organizational leadership, so you can like, you can rest assured, I do care about order. I care about organizationally doing things right. But it just pains me that that we sacrifice sacrifice the good, the full gospel on the altar of business and organization. So we, we see in another book called Jesus in Beijing, he says this, that it's difficult to investigate the phenomenon phenomenon of Christianity in China without hearing stories of miraculous healings. It is the mainstay. I remember in college, I got to spend a summer in Rwanda, Africa. We worshipped with around a thousand Rwandans in this dirt floor tin shack. 
proclaim the name of Jesus. And time and time again, they would stand before us and proclaim these testimonies of healings. Many who were turning to Christ because of what God was doing in their families and um, in their midst. But I remember specifically, I went to work with a guy named Bosco. He showed up at work one day with a big growth on his face. We worked all day side by side, and at the end of the day, it was just me and him in the truck driving back, back to, the, uh, to the warehouse where we parked everything. And as we parted ways, I asked Bosco, Bosco if we could pray for healing in his, uh, for this growth. Right then I prayed a simple prayer of healing. It doesn't need to be extravagant or loud. You don't need to shout at them or anything. Um, spit on them or just do what the Lord's showing, showing before you. Pray, I prayed a simple prayer. Nothing happened before my eyes. This was a Monday, Tuesday morning. Bosco shows up at the, the warehouse. No growth on his face. With tears in his eyes, he said, God touched me. I woke up this morning, no growth. And I saw a big change in Bosco's life from that moment forward. That's the mainstay. That was nothing in me. There's an atmosphere around the world for God to do the supernatural. They realize that this world is more than just the naturalistic uh, matter that we see before our eyes. This is what's said of what's happening in Latin America, specifically in Argentina, that healing is, is now far and away the primary tool for evangelizing in Argentina. It's actually been something that's brought the church together. It's not become a, we're in our, in our Western world, when we start to talk about divine healing and the supernatural, it becomes such a divisive issue. Actually, when we look at Central America, what God is doing, it's actually been something that's united the church because it's a, a more clear and crisp proclamation of good news for a city that they all want to reach. And there was one urban church specifically where they found that, as they did a survey of the congregants, that 37.7% of the congregants came to know Jesus as, as a direct result of healing in their bodies. A third of the people encountered Christ. That's amazing. I pray for that day in the Western church and specifically for the church here in Ames. In the United States, I pray for that. And I believe God is turning the ship. I really do. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. We have a responsibility to our city. People have all sorts of misconceptions of, of who God is and what he is like. And we see before us in the 39 books of the Old Testament specifically that God has stepped on the planet and he said, hello, my name is. This is who I am. And there's something palatable about him calling himself Yahweh Tzikidnu, that he is our righteousness. Yahweh Shalom, yes, God is my peace. That's what we put on our refrigerator. Yes, he is my peace. There's something that we resist when we realize that God also revealed himself as Yahweh Rapha, that he is our healer. And that is a message our city needs to hear. That's the full gospel. That God is our present peaceful shepherd who provides victory, righteousness, and healing. It's all of those and more. But those seven, you can be rest assured, you can be confident that we have a responsibility to invite our city and introduce Jesus to our city in that way. That's who he is. Let me put that on the screen. Yeah, who God is. Let's say this together. This is who God is. God is our present peaceful shepherd who provides victory, righteousness, and healing. Hello, my name is. 
It's who he is. He's present with us. He's your peaceful shepherd. He provides for you in any way you need. He's a good father and Jesus revealed that to us. If he takes care of the lilies of the field, he's gonna take care of you. And specifically, he provides for us victory, righteousness, and healing. For the pain in your body right now, he's your healer. The sickness that you're facing, for the battle that you're, that you're in the midst of, he is your sufficiency, he is your healer. I'm gonna ask the leadership team to come forward. We're gonna end the service this morning by, by receiving communion together. This entire series was born out of the gripping reality of Isaiah 53. As you look at the work of the cross in Isaiah 53, Isaiah, you know, 500 years before Jesus steps foot on the planet, Isaiah sees this picture of the coming Messiah. And what he saw was this, that he surely has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, and upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That is the full gospel. The full salvation of all of our brokenness. Not just our sin issue, but everything that came with the rebellion, everything that came with the curse. He bore your griefs, he bore your sorrows. Like we talked about last week, that literally means sickness and pain. He, He bore those things upon himself. He bore your transgressions, your iniquities, and by his stripes you are healed. It's the work of the cross. Heaven gave its very best for for your wholeness, for your healing. So I thought it fitting that we receive communion together to vividly remember the work of the cross and its relevant power for today. Lord Jesus, we thank you thank you thank you for not being a far off God but one who has patiently, consistently continually been revealing yourself to us throughout human history you've been redeeming us there was no hesitation in your heart right after the rebellion you gave us a promise the serpent would strike your heel but you'd crush his head it's a promise. You, there was no hesitation. You're in the process of redeeming humanity, bringing wholeness, bringing new life. We thank you, Jesus. A life when we do practice open communion, meaning you don't have to be a member of our church to receive communion with us. We do ask, though, that you've made a commitment to follow Jesus as your Savior. You consider him your all in all. You consider him your, your sufficiency for your sin issue. We see in the New Testament that, that is, it's a holy thing to receive communion. So we don't take it lightheartedly. We don't, we don't take it loosely or lightly. It's a big deal. So we ask that you had made a commitment to Jesus Christ as your Savior. Otherwise, Paul says you're, uh, you're, you're receiving judgment upon yourself if you have not made that commitment to Jesus.
everyone receive? Just raise your hand if you have not. Awesome. Thank you, elders and trustees. You all are amazing. So we're going to take the bread, which represents his body, which is broken for you, is beaten for you. It's by his stripes you are healed. Lord, we thank you for not holding back, for being the perfect sacrifice, for being the spotless lamb. For being the physical sacrifice needed for our sin. Thank you for being stretched out across that cross. For taking the lashings. being isolated from the Father, for physically coming to earth, stepping into the skin of humanity. We thank you for your body. Perfect. Thank you, Jesus. You can receive the bread now. set that that uh, that way of things that without the shedding of blood there's no forgiveness of sins so that was the order that he set in motion so we recognize that there was needed a sacrifice a blood sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins and it was sufficient for you there's no one in this place that has done something that the blood of Jesus cannot forgive he took it all upon himself the iniquity of us all verse 12 of Isaiah 53, he says he bore the sins of us all. So Lord, this morning we recognize the power of your blood to forgive, to make whole, to heal, to restore minds, to bring peace to hearts right now. It's the power of the blood of Jesus. It's the blood that protects us the blood that becomes a refuge and a shelter for us. We thank you, Jesus, for your perfect blood that's wiped over the threshold of our, of our lives. We thank you, Jesus. You can receive the cup now. Would everyone stand at their feet across this place? opportunity for those in this place who, who need a healing in their bodies for them to experience that this morning if you're in this place and, and you need a miracle, you came this morning and you're in pain or you're sick or um, or you have a disease that's, that's you may, might not even feel it right now but you know it needs to be touched by God, would you just raise your hand across this place we want to pray for you, awesome yes, 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 yes praise God and there's faith in this place a seasoned missionary Right as worship was happening, she came to me during the during uh, worship, and she said, as she was walking out of her car uh, through the parking lot, she felt like the Lord was saying, "This place is uh, is, is uh, there's an expectation for what God is going to do this morning." The word was expectation is what she felt. Lord, I put on her heart. So there's that expectation of faith that God is here. He is our healer. So if you if you need a miracle in your body, keep your hand up. 
we're gonna pray right now for you. Lord, right now, I pray for your healing touch upon those who've extended their hands. This is them saying, God, help us. You are our healer. You are Yahweh Rapha. And so God, right now, heal minds, heal hearts. God, restore hearing to ears. God, sight to those that need sight in their eyes, healing in their eyes. Cataracts be gone. Glaucoma be gone in the name of Jesus. Those that need healing in their heart, physically, heart arrhythmia, high blood pressure. God, those things be healed right now in the name of Jesus. Backs being healed right now in the name of Jesus. Anxiety, depression, go. Suicidal thoughts be gone. We rebuke you. You have no authority in this place. We pray in your name. I have so much faith lately for multiple sclerosis, just believing that God's going to heal those that struggle with MS. It's not of him. It's not your lot to bear. He is Yahweh Rapha, the one who heals your MS. Those with hormonal imbalances right now, in the name of Jesus, be healed. We believe it in your name. We believe it, God. You are our healer. You are Yahweh Rapha. Hallelujah. Can we just praise God? We praise you, God. We praise you, Lord, as Yahweh Rapha. The Lord is our healer. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. not accurately introducing him to the world. We have a responsibility. And it's, um, repentance is not a, a matter of uh, intro, like being overly introspective, trying to overturn every little uh, rock in our heart. It's a matter of truth being presented to us and we know that we've not been in alignment with it. And when we see in the Old Testament that he revealed himself as Lord as our healer, and we haven't accurately represented that to the world around us, then I believe we have a responsibility to repent. So I just want us to pray that prayer of repentance. Lord, right now as a church, we repent for not accurately representing you to this world. You've given us responsibility, a mandate upon us to bring the full gospel to Ames, Iowa, to Story County, to Boone County, to this state. And so right now we repent, God. And we rend our hearts. We say, God, have your way in us. We recognize you fully for who you've revealed yourself to be to us. The full revelation of scripture. We don't just pick and choose the ones that are comfortable for us or the ones that our society or culture see as palatable. But we push in to see the lost sheep of our city and recognize what they need to hear is living hope for their souls, for their bodies. You as healer, as Yahweh Rapha. We recognize that right now, Jesus, and we repent. We turn from any partial gospel and embrace the full gospel of Jesus Christ in your name. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information about Life Point Church, please visit 
www.livethemessage.org.